Just off a remote road about an hour outside of Wilmington, I'm following a group of researchers past an abandoned cabin and down a gravel trail that leads to the banks of the Black River. Does everybody have a boat? My companions today are dendrologists, scientists that study trees. Some have come from as far as the Czech Republic to study the ancient ones rooted under this river's murky waters. As we paddle down the river, I'm the only one here who can't identify each tree species we see along the way. The further down the river we get, the older the trees look. And finally, as we emerge from a cypress knee obstacle course, the canopy opens and suddenly we're in Jurassic Park. Knobby, moss-covered buttresses jut out of the water, their gray trunks giving way to branches that sit almost perfectly flat. Their bushy tops have long been knocked out by storms. Zachary West with the Nature Conservancy, the organization that protects this area, is our tour guide for today. He starts quizzing the researchers on which of the trees in front of us is the oldest. Yeah, so we can see the 2,600-year-old tree from here. You think that one? No, the next one. The twisted one? Yeah. Any other guesses? <laughs> That's that one over there. The one with the big owl hole in it? It looks like something out of a kid's book. The old one, as it's called, is among the oldest trees in the world. It's been around since the early years of the Roman Republic, but honestly, it looks much like the rest of the trees in this area. That's because it likely isn't the oldest tree here. It's just the one with the most solid trunk. That characteristic is critical for the technique used to date these trees, called coring. That's what researchers are doing today. Each one is carrying around what's called an increment borer, a T-shaped manual drill. I watch as University of Tennessee researcher Savannah Collins-Key aims hers at a smaller tree and begins turning its top handle to drill into the trunk. Does that look even or like a good angle? She pulls out a perfectly cylindrical sample of what's inside of it and stores it in a plastic straw. This tree, like the old one, is solid all the way through, but there are many more in this forest that are rotted on the inside, yet still living. The more solid the core, the more comprehensive the core sample will be. The coring process doesn't really hurt the tree either. It's kind of like a mosquito bite, and it yields critical information. I sometimes call them like the first information highway, superhighway, or the original thumb drive, or, you know, there's tons of information in tree rings. That was Neil Peterson, an ecologist with the Harvard Forest who helped coordinate this trip. Sometimes a tree will stop growing for a year around the base of the tree, and that happens for a variety of reasons, uh, sometimes drought, but sometimes other things. And all that information is stored in, in tree rings. And so we can get the age of the tree, we can get growth rates, we can get changes in growth rates, and that all tells us a little bit more information about how these trees have lived, and we can use them to make inferences about what has happened in the past. Peterson says, in effect, these tree rings tell a story, and they can sometimes give clues about mysteries in human history, too. Researchers use tree ring data to determine that the worst drought in 800 years occurred the same year the lost colony of Roanoke disappeared. Today, Peterson and his team are coring these trees to do what's called a climate reconstruction, specifically to learn more about how this ecosystem has historically responded to hurricanes. They're selecting several trees in this area to create what he calls a chorus of perspectives about what has happened here. And the hope is that this data will be information for modelers to try to understand how future hurricanes might impact these systems. Peterson and his team plan to travel to old growth forests along the East Coast for the same reason. I call it glorified backpacking, right? You put on your backpack, you get your straw tube, you get your increment bore, and you just go looking for the oldest trees. I mean, like, 
don't tell anyone this, but that's what we do. It's often. It's a, you're like, oh my gosh, I get paid to look for old trees? Peterson's following in the footsteps of Dr. Dave Staley, a dendrologist with University of Arkansas. He's been studying the trees along the Black River since the 1980s. He says when he first drove along the roadway through the forest, he knew he did something big. Right. Old trees are like old people. They don't hide their age that well. And and so we just stopped right in the middle of the road, the rural road, got out of the car and were dumbfounded by thousand year old trees on both sides of the highway. Staley set out to core those trees and eventually he came across the old one. He says the cypresses have survived for so long in part because they're in an adverse growing environment. The Black River is a nutrient poor, tannin stained stream, a little bit acidic, you know, really kind of low in natural fertility. And so the growth rates are extremely slow. The environment was poor enough to hinder growth, but not quite bad enough to kill them. And Staley says their age is what helped them dodge the logging bullet. From a logging point of view, timber production point of view, they are decrepit, overmature, shaky, pecky, and heart rotten. And those are all negatives you know, when it comes to board footage. Major storms also couldn't knock these trees out. Staley says that's because when harsh winds blow in, these trees hold on to each other under the water. And so if you're going to blow it over, you got to blow the entire forest over. They'll snap off, especially a hollow cypress stem will snap off in a hurricane, but rarely will you see them uprooted. The continued longevity of these trees is something Staley worries about, though. He says human actions can seriously impact this ecosystem. All kinds of industrial activity could be installed within the drainage basin of the Black River that could impact water quality and, and in fact, has impacted water quality of the Cape Fear and her tributaries. So, you know, we know this story, right? We know the story of the anthropogenic, the human impact on the environment in North Carolina and Arkansas and elsewhere in the United States. And uh, it's just not a trivial problem. Staley says his research has also revealed insights into what the future may hold for these ecosystems if more isn't done to address climate change. Tree ring data suggests that it's only gotten wetter in the modern era due to warming temperatures. And with the sea level rising and the forest just two meters above it, these trees could soon be in dire straits. With uncontrolled anthropogenic climate change, you know, they're going to be ghost trees in the future. Now, that's not tomorrow. It's maybe not for 100 years, maybe 500 years. But, you know, I'm confident we're going to have to get a handle on the energy crisis. Staley says he has hope, though. He sees enormous pressure, economically and otherwise, to address climate change. And yet... Those things are hard to turn around. You know, that's very difficult. So you don't want to mess with Mother Nature. And uh, we are. Staley continues to advocate for conservation, both at the state and federal levels. He plans to return to this river this month in search of more ancient trees and the stories they have yet to tell. For WFDD, I'm April Leslie. Support for Carolina Curious comes from Bowie's Market, Winston-Salem.